When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Thursday morning to you. And when I was giving you the weather forecast there, saying that there's a risk of thundery downpours, we are already getting texts in in the last hour from some areas to say in, to say that there's thunder and lightning various areas, reports in from Watergrass Hill, also in uh, Cove and somebody said savage thunderstorm with torrential rain uh, about five miles from you all. Somebody says it's actually scary so please, please be careful out there. The weather is very unpredictable uh, today into tonight and into tomorrow as well and of course high winds brought down trees and power lines uh, late last night as Storm Ellen arrived it made landfall and it battered the southern coastal counties and we here in Cork certainly got the worst of it and in fairness to Met Aaron and when we were speaking with them yesterday they had just called it when they issued this status red weather warning and of course a red weather warning it's the highest level of alert they don't give it out that often and they gave it just for us here in the county of uh, Cork and they were telling us that they were predicting the the we in Cork would get the worst effects of the uh, storm and that it would go on between nine o'clock and 12 midnight and that was spot on uh, as well. I mean it really started at nine and then it built up as it moved. It came in off the coast and then it moved from West Cork up into the city, across East Cork and up into uh, North uh, Cork and there was some really ferocious winds out there and it did bring down trees and uh, power lines and because of that, even as we speak this morning, thousands of homes are left without power here in Cork but also in some of our neighbouring counties, parts of water without power as indeed are parts of uh, Tipperary and we are going to be speaking with the ESB networks on the programme this morning just to find out what's happening and if we get any sort of a rough idea on when they expect power to be restored but I am assuming it is going to be many many hours if if they would even manage to get all of the power back on today because when you're looking if you've got the power check app you can see all of the outages and there is just huge huge parts of Cork uh, affected West Cork doesn't seem to be too bad. I can see some power outages. Baltimore, 
uh, Clonakilty and Kinsale. It just seems to be the coast. Donovan Bantry seems to be okay. McCroom has some outages, as is Blarney and Carrigaline. And then it's as you move into North Cork for Moy, you have a lot of outages. Castletown Roach, Mitchellstown, Ballymacarbury, up into Bruff. And then as you go across the county into Waterford, I can see the power outages there as well. So anyway, we will, we will speak with the ESB Net uh, Works uh, today on the programme. Uh, but just be very, very careful when you are out and about, uh, particularly from fallen power lines and actually I saw somebody WhatsApp earlier, Jer, saying can you please explain this to me, every time we get a storm or any time we get very strong winds we inevitably will have trees down, blocking roads or knocking down ESB power lines why oh why, says Jer, can these trees not be removed away from the road edges or anywhere near ESB power lines, it seems logical to me that there will be a lot, lot less problems if during the months when we don't have all of the storms and the high winds that we take a look at trees that are anywhere near power lines or anywhere near the side of the road that they could be taken down. Jer is pondering on that today. Thank you for that, uh, Jer. And it does look like everybody heeded the words of warning that were being given out yesterday. And I certainly have sympathy for people who were uh, who were on holidays and having the wonderful staycations that we're all being told to have. And many people, of course, are in campsites and in caravan parks, but it seems thousands of people packed up their campsites, left their caravan uh, parks, particularly across the southwest as that was the area that was most bracing for the destructive uh, power of uh, Storm Ellen. I mean, there was winds gusting well over 100 kilometres per hour. Did I hear they got up to 140 kilometres in some areas? So people just decided, no, certainly in a tent or in a caravan or a mobile home, it mightn't have been the safest place to be last night. So the majority of people, I think, heeded the words of advice and packed up and moved further inland. And I know the Irish fishing fleet, they all fled into the safety of ports around the coast and did that, obviously, before the storm struck. And also, let's give a round of applause and congratulations to the councils right across at Munster. They had all of their emergency plans in place to deal with fallen trees and with coastal flooding and uh, they were all out working and they are all out working today uh, as well, trying to get rid of a lot of the debris that's on the road. So please be very careful when you're driving because there is debris on the roads and as always, we ask you please to use the airwaves of C103 to let us know if you've been in an area and you've come across a fallen tree you've come across it's a lot of like branches are down off trees as well when it is safe to do so if you can give us a call or if you can send us a text or a WhatsApp it's always great that we can pass information on to people and as updated as information as possible like for example there has been a report that there was a tree down in Lizarda uh, well the listener has been on to say there's nothing wrong with Lizarda as was reported in the news I passed there and everything is okay and I've also checked in with uh, AA Road Watch and they say there are no further reports of a fallen tree on the N20 east of Lasarda. So if there had been a report of that earlier, it's obviously been removed. So that's the kind of information. So 
that we can pass it on to other people. So if somebody needs to travel on a particular road, we want to make sure that they are going to be uh, safe. This is coming in from AA. They tell us that the Gardaí are still advising uh, avoiding Dungorny where possible fallen trees on the routes into the village. And if anybody can update us as soon as those trees are removed, please, so that we can get the information out. There's trees down on the main routes into Cloyne, you're saying avoid journeys there. Several trees down in the Rathcormac Middleton Road at Lisgould. Um, again, if any of those trees have been removed, let us know. And the N72 is blocked by a fallen tree outside of Tallow. That's on the Formoy uh, side. So all of your updates, uh, keep them coming in to us, please. And absolutely could not believe this morning when I woke to the news that there has been flooding in Skibbereen. We're going to be talking about that on the programme uh, today because bearing in mind the amount of money that has been spent and was rightly spent on the town of Skibbereen to avoid flooding and then to discover that a storm like this hits and they've ended up, the businesses have ended up being flooded again and you couldn't help but have huge sympathy for the business community who have been working so hard to get back into business after lockdown, after the COVID-19 restrictions and the business communities are battling all over the country as it is and to suddenly have a storm hit them and a storm then that leads uh, to flooding. It really is gut-wrenching. Uh, for those people. So we will discuss that on the programme uh, today. If you're one of those affected, we'd love to hear from you. 1850-333-103. And Cove Sailing Club have been on to us and they say that due to the impact of Storm Ellen, a number of boats at the marina facility at White Point in Cove suffered damage. The Coast Guard uh, conducted an initial assessment at quarter to eight this morning and upon their advice, the facility is now been closed. Forecast conditions today are not favourable to allow a fuller inspection and the office at Cove Sailing Club will be open today to facilitate any further information updates and uh, no doubt they'll keep us informed and let us know as well. But as of now the facility at Cove Sailing Club is a closed. 1850-333-103. Liam says people care more about trees than human life. So is very much agreeing with Jur, who cannot un- understand when we don't have storms threatening why we are not getting out and about and cutting down some of the trees, particularly the ones that are near power lines are ones that are anywhere near the side of the road that can fall on a road. And then what happens, it leads to um, roads being uh, closed. 1850 333103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls this morning if there's anything you want to share with us or as I say in particular updates on anything in your area when it comes to the roads let us know you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Listeners looking for information for about roads in West Cork uh, I wonder says this listener how is the road from Bailenablaw to Ballinine and from there on to Drimalee because anybody been on that road this morning and is it safe to travel for this listener from from Bailenablaw to Ballinine and then on into uh, Drimalee because I saw somebody earlier said the road from Dunmanway to Bandon is fine no trees down for people that need to travel uh, from Dunmanway to Bandon. Now local authorities uh, in Cork are counting the cost of the damage caused by Storm Ellen and a red the red alert expired at midnight but that 
that of course has been followed by an orange warning until 6am this morning. Now 40,000 homes and businesses across Cork are without power according to the ESB Networks and joining me is Mike Coomey who is the ESB Networks Area Manager for uh, Cork. Good morning to you Mike. Good morning Patricia. Now how busy how busy a night in the morning has it been for your crews? Uh, very busy, Patricia. Um, I suppose the red alert was, was spot on in terms of the impact it brought to Cork and indeed the West Coast and up as far as the Northwest. Um, our figures nationally uh, this morning were that we had 194,000 customers without supply. Uh, Cork in particular took uh, a big hit and presently we have around 37,000 customers without supply. Um, our technicians have been out since first light, and indeed many of them were out last night once the red alerts had passed. Um, we've, uh, I suppose we put a lot of preparation in yesterday, Patricia, and, uh, based on uh, the, the red alert. And we have um, uh, additional resources mobilised from Tralee, from uh, Kerry, uh, from Wexford and from Inniscorty uh, to assist with the restoration work in Cork County. I suppose the areas of Cork County uh, that are particularly badly hit are pockets of Cork City, uh, Monkstown, Kilnap, Little Island, uh, Bishopstown, Buttevant, Castle Lyons, Middleton, Ahada, Mallow, Whitechurch, Carrigaline, Claro, Tower and Waterfall and, and other areas uh, may have smaller pockets. That's a, that's a huge amount of outages for for you, Mike. It, 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 it is indeed, Patricia. Um, I, I suppose just in terms of updating our customers and keeping our customers up to date in terms of estimated restoration times, um, our power check app can be used. Um, our damage assessors and crews are on the ground since first light, so there should be very meaningful information appearing on the power check app uh, from now going forward right up to this evening uh, in terms of when we expect each location uh, to have the power restored. Um, again, we, we'll prioritise based on areas with larger numbers, with, without supply, and indeed uh, on public safety-related matters. Uh, I suppose on that front, um, Patricia, we, we, we'd be very clear in our message that members of the public, should they come across any fallen wires, uh, to please steer, steer clear. Um, uh, all these wires have the potential to be live at the time or indeed have the potential to become live at any given time. We would also ask possibly that people would uh, refrain from trying to remove timber maybe from overhead lines that's leaning leaning on overhead lines or resting on overhead lines. Again, this can cause the lines to come down and, and possibly break. And, and again, these again can be live. Um, and you don't and you don't need to hear from people, uh, Mike, if they haven't got power. Or, do, 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 we, we do indeed. You we do, do, OK. Indeed, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, for public safety related matters such as fallen wires, etc., uh, etc., et we will urge people and encourage people to ring 1850 372 999, which is our emergency number. That is also the number to report uh, loss of supply. Okay, but but I always say to people, check check on the power check and if your area is already up there, then the ESB are aware that you're without power and you're, you'll get around to it eventually. 
rather than the, yes. the, the, your phone lines being swamped with people, everybody from the one area ringing saying, I've got no power. That's correct. That's correct. If your area is identified on power check, that means we, we're aware of the problem and we will have somebody uh, dispatched uh, as soon as possible to that area. It's still quite wet and windy and we were hearing some reports in the last hour, uh, Mike, from, uh, as one listener said, savage thunder and lightning in some areas. Uh, the weather will hamper, well, I'm assuming will, will hamper repair work, will it? Uh, it, it will, it will. Uh, obviously, lightning and high winds uh, uh, are very challenging in terms of safety of our staff. And in, in times of lightning and high winds, we, we do have to stand down at times. And again, those calls are uh, made locally based on local risk assessment. Uh, but they will indeed hamper, uh, hamper repair works uh, when and if those conditions arise. And you, with the red alert finished, as you say, at, at midnight last night, did you, did you say that some crews went out after that? Yes, uh, for, for uh, what we call... Um, uh, critical public safety matters where maybe wires were down in uh, areas where the public maybe, uh, such as public highways um, or, or urban areas, we go we go out and make those safe, but but only to make safe. That's dangerous work, isn't it? It, it is indeed. But our 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 staff are highly trained, highly competent, and are all. Um, uh, well-trained in risk assessment and being able to assess the situation before they undertake any works. But the weather conditions today, uh, they won't be the kindest of weather conditions, but yet your crews will still be out there working. They, they will, absolutely. Yeah. And they'll be working late. They, they'll be working late into the night. Uh, this, this is what we do, Patricia, when, when the need arises. This is what we do. This is what we're good at. Yeah, you're fantastic. You, you really are fantastic. And brilliant to hear that you were, you're able to pull from other counties that haven't had power outages. Crews will travel in to, to help each other. Uh, absolutely. And, and that's the way we do our business um, normally. Um, I suppose generally uh, storms of this nature are localised and our preparation in advance always highlights the areas. Uh, that will be least affected and we'd have those people on standby ready to travel uh, following the red alert. That argument that a couple of listeners mentioned this this morning when it came on air, Mike, uh, about outside of storm times, uh, why we don't take a look at areas where trees are near power lines and take down those trees before we have storm activity that could bring them bring them down like what happened yesterday. Do you, do you assess trees that are near power lines on a regular basis? We, 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 do, we do indeed. Uh, we have a cyclical timber cutting programme where each of our lines are visited on a three-yearly basis um, and we're identified. Uh, we remove trees uh, outside the proximity zone, as we call it, right? Uh, however, in some cases, we're not always allowed cut cut trees uh, to the levels that we'd like to cut them. And, and we would always, uh, I suppose we'd always ask the public to assist us and where we where we need to cut trees, we, we would like them to cooperate with us. Yeah, absolutely, because it's it's for the safety of everybody uh, as well. And and I knew as soon as we would have you on the programme, Mike would have some people saying, "Can can Mike tell us when will the power be back?" Somebody's wondering when will the power be back in Little Island, uh, for example. I can see a few other uh, similar texts coming in. How do people check on to give them a rough idea, or is that impossible for you to predict when power will be oh, back? Oh, okay, so so I suppose. Early this morning and, and up to about now, 
uh, our power check app would have been indicative and hopeful. Okay, so, okay. so people will now see meaning, meaningful information on power check from now on as our crews get out to see the damage, assess the damage, and possibly undertake a repair immediately. Okay. All right. Okay. And that power check app is is fantastic. I, I, I direct anybody uh, to it. Listen, Mike. Look after yourself, and um, we wish the best of luck to all of the crews at that are out today. Do you expect to have all power restored by today? Okay. Okay. So, so we would endeavour to have the majority of customers uh, restored uh, uh, by late tonight. Uh, however, we do expect that there will be the other outlier that will require uh, further repairs tomorrow. So, so yes, some customers will probably be without power until tomorrow. At okay. some stage. All right. Listen, Mike, thank you for that. And thanks for taking time out to talk to us. Thanks, Patricia. Good thanks morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Mike Comey, who is the ESB Networks Area Manager uh, for Cork, and they are working flat out. Uh, those guys are, we hope they all stay safe. The road from Dunmanway to Clonakilty, I'm told, is clear the whole way. Somebody has just travelled us. Anybody needing to travel from Dunmanway to Clonakilty or Clonakilty to Dunmanway, the road is clear. Thank you. That's great information to get in and to pass on to listeners in real time. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. The Coachford Lee Mount Cross Road is impassable and that's due to a fallen tree near Inascara. And I'm also told there are trees down on all the main routes into Cloyne. So avoid journeys there please where uh, possible and the guard that you're still advising Dungorny to avoid Dungorny where possible because it's fallen tree trees down on all routes as well leading into the village of Dungorny and there are several trees on the Rathgormach Middleton roads uh, as well and ESB cables and trees down in Ballyroe Cloyne. That's in from uh, J from James and a number of people telling us they are without power. You're not on your own. There are many, many areas without power. But as we just heard from the ESB networks, they're working flat out, including bringing crews in from neighbouring counties who are going to be helping them out. So most people will have their power back by by tonight but there will be some uh, who will not have power back until tomorrow morning. We'll keep you updated on that as we go through the day. Now homes and business owners in Skibbereen were astonished by flooding last night. Millions of euros has been spent on flood relief scheme for the town however a number of premises were damaged. Now I'm told that the flood waters have now receded but Cork South West Social Democrat TD Holly Carnes uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Holly. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Holly, you videoed some of the flooding last night and thank you for allowing us to share it on our social media platforms. Can you describe to people how bad it got? Yeah, I suppose, Patricia, it's in the context of, as you know, the last week of West Cork weather, we've seen roads washed away in different parts of West Cork. We're seeing, you know, disastrous kind of results for businesses and homes and, and roads. But yesterday, according to the, the Shirkin Island Meter, 20 millimetres of rain fell in that hour. Um, and the result was that Bridge Street flooded a bit of Cork Road as well, but 21 homes and businesses were quite badly damaged. And um, I think there was three feet of water in the Eldon. Um, 
So, and, and then, you know, further out on, on the Cork Road, there's three or four homes there um, that were also flooded. And, you know, Fusion um, on the Cork Road, yeah. the Cork Road petrol station, that was also flooded to the fire brigade where they were pumping water out. Um, and yet, like you said, people are shocked because there was an 18 million euro flood management scheme there um, in Skibreen. And I think we all expected that to work. But I think it's worth noting as well that they're, they're slightly separate issues in that the scheme has worked sometimes. You know, mm. um, and what actually happened last night with the flash flood was that there was works going on in the cutting there where there's a stream, and there was a temp- temporary gate put up, um, which should have been replaced by a permanent one, and it wasn't, and that's actually what caused the flooding on Bridge Street. Um, further up down, uh, uptown on the Cork Road, um, there's a culvert there that needs to have work done. It was, they said, work was started about three years ago, and it still hasn't. So. What we're seeing, as we always do in Ireland with flood, man- flood management, is that it's done in kind of a piecemeal fashion. You know, this massive concrete structure in this part of the town, but we need to take, obviously, a bit more of a comprehensive approach and take in the entire landscape into consideration and all of the area, not just a particular spot that's flooded, because, you know, of course, we need to protect the whole town. Um, yeah, and, and, in, I, and I think that's what people are questioning today, Holly. You know, how can you yeah. spend 18 million euro and then have flooding like this? And it's a very good question. It seems absolutely ridiculous. Um, it is confusing for your average person that why don't we take a more comprehensive approach to flood management in Ireland in general? We see things like building housing estates on floodplains and then building massive permanent concrete structures. And, you know, like that, it still doesn't work. You're pushing the water down to other parts of the town, perhaps, or other areas. And it's completely understandable that people are frustrated and have questions uh, that need to be answered. Um, even in terms of that temporary grace, I d- I'm not sure whose responsibility was it. Was it the OPW? Was it Cork County Council? But people deserve answers, and particularly people on Bridge Street. Um, 21 homes and businesses flooded. They absolutely deserve not good enough. Stay there because I want to bring in Louise O'Donovan is the general manager of the Eldon uh, Hotel and she's on the other line. Uh, good morning to you, Louise. Good morning. Uh, how badly damaged and how much flooding uh, have you did, did you incur last night? Yeah, we had nearly three feet of water into the hotel anyway. Um, it's really bad. And it's not just us, like all the businesses along the street, the residents, um, all their homes are destroyed, like. And you, there was no way of keeping the water out once it started to come in? No, no. Um, the staff that were actually here when it happened, they were bringing down duvets from upstairs, trying to stuff them under the door out oh. front, the side doors. Um, they came in all the... The water came in the back doors, the, every door, the kitchen door, the side door, the kitchen and everything. We have um, electricians here at the moment now just trying to, you know, check everything and assess any damage. And you're left, I imagine, with a lot of... The water has receded, but the, it's, it's muck and dirt, is it, is left? Yeah, a lot oh. of it, yeah. Have you ever had flooding as bad as this before? Um, we've had it once. We've had it here once before, actually, from the same, from the same thing. Um, it, it seems to come down from um, the cutting up by Landis, and it just flows down the street. Um, there's a storm drain out front, but it obviously hadn't been cleared before all this, like, and it didn't, it didn't take any water. So... It had nowhere to go but into the businesses and homes. You are, will you be? Cl- you're closed, are you? Uh, we're closed at the moment, anyway. I I don't know if we'll be open today. That's um, just dreadful. It's uh, dreadful. All right, um, but there you've the electricians in, and and it's just massive cleaning operation now is to um, get underway. It is, yeah, like a lot of our sockets now and everything aren't working. Yeah, and, um, it's a big job. Yeah, it's a big job. All right, have you insurance, Louise? 
Yeah, we do. You do. All right. Okay. Listen, hang in there. Thank you for that. Uh, that's Louisa Donovan, General Manager of the Eldon uh, Hotel. Um, Holly, devastating blow for businesses who are already trying to cope with um, COVID-19, isn't it? Absolutely. It, yeah, and like Louise said there, that it happened before from the same source of water and that it happened again makes it all the more difficult to swallow. I think that these things can be prevented. And when there was 18 million put into a flood relief scheme, you know, the mind boggles that it wasn't prevented. I really do feel for her and for everybody in Skibreen that was affected. And I think it's worth noting as well that there's um, another heavy kind of storm coming into East Cork now. There's mm. a yellow warning. Yeah, yeah. It's rainfall, lightning, risk of flash flooding. Um, so we just have to really hope that that doesn't come our way. Um, We're not out of the woods uh, yet with this particular storm no. activity for today, I think, and into tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mentioned to Louise, and, and thankfully they have insurance. Is insurance cover an issue for some of those that were flooded? It can be. Um, we've seen in the in the last week there was, um, you know, with all, a lot of the roads being washed away and different businesses and homes being affected as well, further east in the constituency, and a lot of people's insurance didn't cover them. Um, so it does seem to just depend. I'm definitely not a flood insurance expert, but I've, I've heard both. Like people being covered and it's absolutely fine. Other people not. And I remember hearing before that in areas where it kept flooding and mm. um, before we had the, the flood relief works done, that a lot of insurance companies would say, well, it's an act of God that you're not covered. Um, which was uh, very difficult, I think, for people to take up the time too. But I suppose when things like this come into it, like, is it an act of God if, for example, the OPW got to change temporary gate? You know? No, it's not. It's, it's, exactly. Uh, people would find that very hard to, to take on board that it's an act of God. And I know, and actually I'll get John Paul to put a call through to her. We had a, 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 a she broke everybody's heart yesterday, a, a lady called June yesterday who was on from um, Trimmer League who had been flooded um uh, last Thursday with the, the floods Wednesday into, into Thursday morning but she'd also been flooded a number of years ago and she can't get flood insurance. God. Uh, you know, and just heartbreaking and, and I know there's that humanitarian fund has been set up with all the paperwork that has to be attributed uh, to that but it's very, very difficult for people if they're facing a flood and they haven't, they haven't got, it, got uh, in, insurance. And how are things this morning, Holly? Have you been out and about? I haven't been in Skibreen this morning. Um, I know that the flooding has subsided at the moment. Um, I think there was a few power outages further west in the constituency where Hine and places like that. But they're all back since 7 o'clock this morning. So it seems pretty calm around the place at the moment. There's just obvious devastation in Bridge Street and in the Cork Road. Have you many tourists around? Tourists? Yeah. Are there many staycationers yeah, in the even, air? Yeah, and I even read uh, yesterday that Cork is the most holiday yeah. Uh, the the most popular staycation destination. So I'm not surprised. We actually even bet <laughs> Kerry, would you believe? <laughs> Everyone thought <laughs> Kerry was going to come out on top. No, we came out on top. And why not? Gorgeous place to staycation. OK, listen, um, Holly, I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, for taking our call this morning. 
Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Cork South Southwest Social Democrat uh, TD Holly Kearns. And Dennis says, Patricia, say it loud and keep saying it. This is climate change, and we are going to get more of this uh, one in a 40 year, 50 year, 100 year freak weather event. And they're just going to get worse and worse and worse. And it is going to cost us big time until we wake up and realise that this is uh, climate change at its very best. That's from uh, Dennis. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 86 103 By the way, I meant to mention this earlier because we're going to be doing it in the next hour. And just to give advance warning to people, if you have a son or daughter due to go on the school bus, have you heard from Bus Aaron? that there isn't a seat on the bus for you this year. We've started to get contacted by some parents who got emails this week from Bus Aaron, including one parent who had already paid for the bus ticket and whose child has been on the bus for many, many years has suddenly discovered that there's no seat on the bus for them this year. And this comes up every year. It's the discretionary seats on the buses and every year there are families left disappointed and every year we certainly will deal with families who will have to fight really hard in order to get their child on the school bus and generally speaking we've been successful in previous years, years but this year I am wondering, will there be a lot of pupils left without a seat on the school bus? And while that was going on and while Bus Aaron was issuing their letters, something I discovered when I started looking through the National Public Health Emergency Team, the advice that Neffert gave to government. And it was, you know, a document and it was the document that was used by government to make the announcement this week to bring in all of the the newer regulations that they have decided to bring in. But buried in the middle of it and one that I didn't hear the government speak about was the fact that Neffet had recommended that there needs to be strict social distancing while on school buses. Now, this was for secondary school pupils. They're saying for primary pupils, the advice is that social distancing should be maintained where possible. But they were saying for the secondary school pupils, those 13 and uh, over, they were saying that the post-primary pupils must be in line with what applies on public transport. Now, anyone that's been on public transport on a bus or a train will know that the seat capacity on all buses has been reduced to about 50%. Recent Department of Education advice to parents was that school bus services would operate as normal with no social distancing, although we were told that anyone getting on the school bus, the second level students, they would have to wear a face covering. But then following the receipt of the Neffert advice on Monday, the Taoiseach Michal Martin said on Tuesday that the Department of Health and Education would now be working to make school transport arrangements safer. Bearing in mind, pupils are due to start school. Some of them will be starting next uh, week. It now looks like it's a race against time to radically overhaul transport arrangements that were based on no social distancing. So parents who are already getting a letter saying there isn't a seat on the bus for your son or daughter, that was when there was no social distancing going on, that the full capacity of the school bus was going to be used. So this is going to really put the cat amongst the pigeons. It could mean staggering bus journeys, 
because if there isn't any extra buses, well, the bus that normally does one route would do the route and then go back and pick up the second half of the children and bring the children back into the school. But in order to do that, there will be logistical challenges then facing schools because it would mean pupils would be arriving at different times in the morning. Now, the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, he was speaking on national radio yesterday and he said when he was asked about Neffert and what Neffert had said about social distancing on the bus for secondary school pupils, he says that it would effectively will require a doubling of the public transport fleet where we don't have a clear mechanism to deliver it. Eamon Ryan says that when he previously asked his officials about the possibility of putting on additional buses, he said the short answer was no, we don't have the buses. But he then said in light of the Neffert advice on Monday, he's now contacted his department and he said we're going to have to go back and see what we can do. Minister Ryan acknowledged that with the return to school looming, arrangements were going to have to be made in the coming week. A spokesperson for Bus Aaron, they are the ones who oversee the service which caters for 120,000 pupils nationwide go on a bus. They say planning and organisation for the return of the school transport system is continuing with the Department of um, Education. Uh, and of the 125,000, I think 68,000 are the secondary school teachers. And before this week's Neffert advice to the Department of Education was that there was uh, an exception to the social distancing rule was made for school buses because they said pupils would be pre-assigned seats in cases where you have children coming out of the one house, brothers and sisters, siblings, they would be told to sit together. They also would make sure that children, if they were on the bus and there was children from their classroom on the bus, then they would put them sitting together. And they were saying that the plan was that they'd run the services, run the school bus service as normal, taking into account that the school school transport is different from public transport in that it transports the same children every day to and from school. And, you know, they said that they'd pair them up, you'd get assigned a seat and that would be it. And you'd sit on that seat for the rest of the year and both going to school and coming from uh, school. And along with the new social distancing requirements, including face covering for children over the age of 18, other rules, obviously, you know, hand sanitising and the way when they, before they board the bus and when they get off and, and uh, disembarking from the bus is all going to be done in an orderly fashion. You would assume and there will be rules and regulations around that they're going to bring in as well. But this really is going to put the cat amongst the pigeons and a real spanner in the works because if Bus Aram are already struggling and they already don't have enough seats, if parents are already getting letters and emails saying, sorry, there isn't a seat on the bus for your child for this year and now suddenly they're being told they're going to have to have the number of seats on every bus. It really... Uh, it's going to create a lot of headaches for the Department of Transport and for the Department of Education. 1850 Interested to hear, as I say, from any parent who's already heard from Bus Aaron that your child doesn't have a seat on the bus. Let us know. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103-333-103-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333-333
proposed any major damage from these places. Uh, it's just that the dirty wind caught the marina in Cove. And it's not over yet because uh, the southerly winds are gusting to storm force off the coast and gusting to gale force. There's bright silver sunshine now in the harbour at the moment as I look out. But at the entrance to Cork Harbour, there's standing waves, big, big, huge waves, uh, even though in certain parts of the it's nice and sheltered now. But um, this will go on for the day today, the southerly gale, and tonight, and I think will increase somewhat this evening. So people need to, to, to be cautious. And coupled with the very strong onshore wind is the fact that we have spring tides, the bigger mm. tides, and that there's been a lot of rain last night. So there may be places with flooding. Certainly the north side of the Great Island on which Cove is situated, that will see flooding this evening. So people be, should be cautious with that. Um, when winds begin to ease tomorrow, we're back in action at the sailing school. We cancelled everything for today. Power boating, sailing, instructor courses, the whole lot. Uh, so... And this, uh, Eddie, couldn't couldn't it couldn't have come at a worse time of the year. I mean, this is the this is the, your busiest time. It's not over yet today. Yeah. So everything cancelled for today, but you're hopeful for tomorrow. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Like it'll it'll go through tonight, and the wind will go into the southwest, which is a more favourable direction for our operations uh, at East Ferry, just outside Cove, where we're lucky to have. Great shelter from most directions, but from the southerly, no. And yeah. that's what's happening yeah. today, and the strong southerlies. And are you busy at the moment, Eddie? We've been busy, or probably our busiest week. Um, we've been very fortunate in that uh, we've had a lot of customers. And after the COVID closed down, it was kind of difficult to get going again. But we've separate pods of different types of courses running around the place. And we're small enough to be able to do that. And, um, yeah, we're running our power boating courses, our dinghy sailing courses, and we have a yachting course on this weekend. So, thank goodness, uh, things are going okay. But um, moving into the autumn now, it'll be a, it'll be a tougher season. And it, it has been extremely difficult to um, maintain safe procedures, uh, which we have to do in these times. Yeah. And that's the number one thing that we have to do. But... You know, sailing is a great sport out of doors, on the water. You couldn't be in a safer place as long as the weather's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, stay safe, Eddie, and thank you for that. And thanks for updating us. Good talk to you, Patricia. And you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is um, Eddie uh, joining us, um, Eddie English uh, joining us from uh, Sail Cork, 1850 I've just been told the power has been restored to the Motor Tax Office and it is now reopened. They were closed earlier due to power outage. John in Blackpool is picking up on Dan in Mallow, who is having a pop off me for reading out a comment about climate change. John says, Patricia, well, as regards Dan in Mallow, I'm not sure what planet he lives on if he doesn't believe in climate change because it's certainly not planet Earth, says John in uh, Blackpool. On buses, oh, there was a comment in uh, earlier. Helen was wondering, was there any advanced warning this uh, given last night that bus services stopped early? because of Storm uh, Ellen. Helen said that there were a number of people left stranded last night outside Cork University Hospital waiting for the buses that didn't come because Bus Aaron made the operational decision because of the warnings 
with Storm Ellen. They decided to terminate their buses early. Was there advance warning given? I certainly saw it on social media that buses were terminating early. And I know I was inside in Tesco in Mallow and they were around telling people they were closing up early as well. A lot of businesses made the decision because of the red alert that was given for nine o'clock. So Helen, I certainly saw it on social media, but then, you know, that's the that's the big one, isn't it? Not everybody who's going to jump on a bus is going to check on social media to make sure that all the buses are running. So that certainly was as much advance warning that I saw. I don't know if anybody else saw any other kind of advance warning from bus Aaron that they were terminating some of their buses early last night. And just staying on buses that we are going to be discussing in this hour on the programme and in particular with regard to the school bus system and will there be enough seats on the bus for the kids this year Anne says on school transport she said I use a public bus regularly a lot of school students use the public bus especially in on city routes I assume that students will now not be allowed to use the public buses to go to school as surely priority is going to have to be given to the public with less uh, capacity haven't heard that Anne I haven't heard anything to say that students are not allowed to get on the normal bus but you are right there is less capacity on those buses and when schools start you can imagine what it's going to be like but bearing in mind that the latest advice coming from Neffet and then coming from the government this week was the advice is not to take public transport and to only and if you are of course using public transport you must wear a, a mask but that was one of what people saw as the contradictory advice that was given out this week people have been told to avoid public transport yet our schools are reopening and so many of our children have to either use the public bus or to go on the school bus so there was a bit of a contradiction there but certainly and I haven't seen anything in any of the literature that I've read to say that students are not to use the normal buses but it will cause complications both for the students and it's certainly going to cause massive headaches for people who have no other choice but to get on a bus to go to uh, work. Morning Patricia, this is from Jer from Bantry. I'm responding to the person, it was Jer actually, who sent in a WhatsApp earlier about cutting all dangerous trees in the summertime and making it safer then for power lines and for road users when we head into traditionally the winter months is when we have the, the most storms, even though we're getting used to these summer storms, but traditionally it's the winter months that will get the most uh, storms. What a great idea, says Jer from at Bantry. If common sense was used in this country, what an amazing country it would be to live in. What we have in this country is an element of people who I would call the do-gooders, the tree-huggers, and people that have nothing better to do but to complain. What we had years ago was the local councilman with his shovel keeping every local drain and culvert free immediately when it became blocked. Ongoing maintenance, that's what they called it. Now, Patricia, the council will only come out to fix a road when it's getting washed away. Common sense, not there anymore. And unless it changes, Patricia, it will only get worse. If we always do what we've always did We will always get what we always got. A system that is broken beyond repair. Start with a clean slate. That's from Jur from Bantry. Very much backing up Jur. And actually other people, when I read out Jur's text about cutting the trees during the summer, at time go out. And while I did put it to... Uh, to Mike from the ESB Networks and they say they do it every year. They go out and they do it. They assess trees that are near power lines, but they're sometimes stymied 
there's a refusal when they want to take down trees and that's why he was appealing to landowners when they ask for trees to be cut down. They're not doing it for the fun of it. They're doing it because they see a genuine need for the trees to be uh, removed. And Michael says, Patricia Hyde, thank God last night's storm passed off moderately in comparison with some of the past August storms that we have had. Remember Hurricane Charlie? Who can forget it? That was in the August of 1986. And how many could ever forget the 1979 Fastnet race and the storm that hit on that particular day. The consequences that are still felt today, not just for the race itself, but for the deaths of the competing yachtsmen and the rescuers. And that happened on the 28th of August, 1979. We're very close to the anniversary of that. Uh, We always get these August storms, just like the Michaelmas gales that happened to us in September. And that's from Michael in Castletown Baron, I suppose. Yeah, even though there's a lot of people without power, today and we're thinking of the poor people in Skibbereen, flooded flooded homes and uh, businesses but overall I think we got away more lightly than we have for previous storms, particularly when it was a red alert. 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103-103 You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103 Jobs. Healthcare assistance. You need to have QQI level 5 required. And that's for Maria Goretti Nursing Home. That's in Kilmallock. A welder stroke fabricator is required for the Rossmore Clonic Kilty areas. While a front of house supervisor is wanted for Mallow. And a kitchen fitter with a minimum of five years experience required for Cork City and uh, County. Uh, you'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, Bus Air, it seems, have started uh, to issue letters and emails to families telling them that there is no seat on the school bus for their son or daughter who will be heading back to school in the coming weeks. Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North Central, Padraig O'Sullivan, has actually written to the Education Minister trying to seek clarity on the lack of school transport places for the coming months. And uh, Padraig joins me. Good morning to you, Padraig. Morning, Patricia. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. Are you hearing from many parents who have been told that there's no seat on the bus for their child this year? Yeah, quite a few. Um, it's primarily, obviously, a rural issue, you know, in the, in the suburbs of, of the city, but primarily a rural issue. But I suppose between villages like Glenville, Watergrass Hill, Whitechurch, Carrignavar, and then out towards Battle Hill and in towards Mallow, um, quite a number of parents have been on to my own, my own office. I'd say I estimate about 40, 45 wow. parents so far. So, um, and I'm assuming every other TD uh, in any area where there's a school bus is getting similar calls. Well, that's it, I suppose. And we have, like, the reason I'm actually on with you this morning is just to highlight it and just to basically encourage people, whether it's to contact me or their other TDs, just so that we can get an estimate, an accurate assessment of exactly how many people are without a seat and, I suppose, do our best to try and rectify things in, in the weeks ahead before school resumes. Now, I suppose we have to be conscious that, you know, the last thing we can do in a COVID atmosphere is to start squashing people on buses and things like that. But... I would hope that as part of any review that the Minister might commit to that, you know, extra buses could be put on so that it could facilitate social distancing. And 
I'll be perfectly honest with you, this, this issue has been going on for a number of years, um, and I suppose we, we were promised a review last year by then Minister Halligan, and that review never transpired, and I suppose, you know, the turn of the year we had issues with COVID, and, you know, I suppose it just got lost. Um, and unfortunately, that review was never undertaken, and we're still operating on legislation that dates back to the 1960s, you know, in terms of route selection for buses, and it's just not fit for purpose anymore. And these, I, I'm assuming these are the concession receipts, are they that we're yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The majority of people without without seats at the minute will be the concession people on concessionary tickets. But like, just like just to point over to Watergrass Hill, the, you know, for a relatively small village, the difficulty that Watergrass Hill would have, for example, is that its closest school is Glenmire. Um, although traditionally the vast majority of children from Watergrass Hill would go to Fromoy for schooling, um, and they don't actually don't have a designated bus for that route and you know that's something we're, we're hoping to rectify um, we have at least 15 p- people that we think out in Glenville again like that sending kids into Fromoy that um, there's no bus to facilitate those 15 people the bus is full uh, there's a 33 seater bus there and we're, look, we'll be pressing the minister to see if we can get a larger bus or possibly a second bus and as you say, this it's certainly an issue that we deal with every single year when parents discover that there isn't a, a discretionary uh, ticket available for their son or daughter. And in many cases, Porik, including some of the parents that have contacted us, their son or daughter might be a fifth year, sixth year leaving cert student and they've had a seat on the bus since they started in first year. Yeah, like as I said, the, the guidelines that govern this whole decision-making process are antiquated and they need to be updated. And I'm hoping that this will be the last year. I was in this position last year, not as a TD, but as a county councillor at the time. And when Minister Halligan came back to say that there was a review, we were kind of optimistic that it wouldn't happen again. But as I said, unfortunately, Mr. Halligan is no longer there. The review was never undertaken. So we are in this unfortunate position again. But I'm hoping now that the new minister will be able to take it up and Hopefully, I suppose you'll never rectify every single issue, you know, but, and there will always be difficulties with, with routes and with people living, you know, far from areas that might be more difficult to facilitate. But at the same time, we have to give everybody the opportunity to at least get a seat on a bus and to make sure that they can go to school. Um, as I said, and I, then to, fur- to further add to the headache, uh, Porrick, is the news that came out this week from Neffet, with Neffet telling the government that second level students must maintain strict distancing while on buses and that they need the same rules that apply to the public bus will now have to apply to post-primary school students, even though initially Neffet had said that that won't be the case, that they can stay on, you know, travel on the bus as they did in the past. But the new recommendations from Monday now says they must socially distance. Yeah, I suppose there's two ways to look at it. I suppose the initial recommendations for dealing with school children on buses was designed to, you know, sit people beside fellow classmates or family members or, you know, people that might be in the same pod or same class group. Um, So... like even the coach industry that we have in the bus industry, which is unfortunately, you know, down the vast majority of its business. I think that this difficulty with school buses presents an opportunity. You see other sectors getting kind of um, incentives and, you know, packages to, to help rescue them. And I think this is an opportunity to go to the bus and coach sector, you know, to facilitate all those empty buses um, to get drivers back on the road. And it probably will mean additional monies, you know, f- for that purpose. And it will mean at least that the, the buses would, would 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 be working at, at the minute. Unfortunately, an awful lot of buses are just parked up in in in, in yards, and I suppose this this could be a way, to, as I said, to incentivise that industry. 
Well, yeah, and if if the government are going to run with Neffert's advice of social distancing the post-primary students, that will reduce the capacity on every bus by 50%. So that means, even now, without the discretionary seats, that means you either double the bus transport fleet or, I saw it suggested by somebody, that you stagger pupils' journeys, which obviously schools will have to get involved with because there'll be logistical challenges facing schools if children are going to be turning up at different times. Yeah, look, as I said, I think it is an opportunity to incentivise the bus and coach industry. I think there's an opportunity there to put additional buses on routes. As I said, like there's no point in I, I'm coming on here complaining about the lack of, of bus places for students. But at the same time, I, I need to be conscious and aware that you know it needs to be done in a responsible manner and in, you know to facilitate social distancing. And the only way that I can think that that can be done is providing extra buses on these routes. There's um, not there's not a lot, lot of time left, Porks. Many schools are opening next week. Yeah, and unfortunately, with this problem, Patricia, as you mentioned earlier, this, this is a problem every year. And uh, to be fair to CIE and the bus inspectors, and we have a very good bus inspector in, in the area that I'm dealing with, like every year it is a last-minute job to try and get those last seats for, for children. Now, some, unfortunately, some children miss out on every year. But like they do do good work within the parameters that they're operating within, and they have you know a, a small budget. And if, they, if the budget was to increase for them, it would you know make their job an awful lot easier. So... Look, I, I'm calling on the minister. I, I'll be discussing it with her, and um, I, as I said I, at the outset, I've written to her yesterday. So I'm, I'm hoping this, you know, this will start a debate where where we can get people facilitated. And the reopening of schools, Aporic, is stressful enough at the moment, both for the pupils and particularly for for the parents. Is this just adding an extra layer of stress for families? Yeah, look, it's definitely a stressful time. Um, like we're dealing with, I'm dealing with queries every day of the week from from students, from teachers, from parents. I was a teacher myself uh, for 15 years, so I'm fully aware of you know the challenges that an awful lot of our, I suppose, antiquated school buildings present. You know, like the school that I taught in would have a number of pinch points and corridors and so on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, you know, we have we're trusting in our principals and to, to, I suppose to make schools as safe as they as they can. Under, under the guidelines and it is going to be difficult it's a stressful time but I think we, we need to give this every I suppose effort that we can I think we need to have students back in the classroom um, and manage it as best we can if or when instances arise that you know there might be an outbreak of COVID or whether somebody presents with symptoms we need to do our best you know into managing those situations and provide all the guidance we can for schools and are you confident that schools, all schools, will reopen, uh, Porik, either at the end of next week or the start of September? Well, I, I, we wrote to all the principals in my own constituency, you know, offering support and just, you know, I suppose offering advice on the grants that were announced a number of months ago. Um, I'd be honest with you, the only real difficulty that principals are having is actually getting tradesmen to come into school. Yeah. Um, you know, like if, if you're doing a job at home, whether it's an electrician or a plumber you're looking for, we all know the difficulty it is to try and get a tradesman. They're extremely busy, and I suppose many schools have been in touch and they've had similar or experienced similar difficulties with getting people in to erect screens or to you know do do odd jobs here and there. So that that's that's the biggest difficulty that I'm hearing about at the moment on the ground. And they're using every available bit of space in the school. Gyms are being converted. I even saw one school on on the TV. The canteen that the teachers normally use had been cleared out and was going to be used as a classroom. Yeah. And community centres as well. I come across community centres that are adjacent to schools. They've been offering their building, you know, during the day as well. Um, and to be fair to a lot of teachers and staff, 
you know, the, especially, I suppose, practical-minded people, woodwork teachers, metalwork teachers, in, in the absence of many of those tradesmen that I, I spoke of, many of those teachers are stepping up to the plate. Are they? Are they? Well, yeah, because yeah. yeah, somebody said, why aren't they using community halls to get children back to school? But you reckon they are, where if they're, if they're well, close, they need to be close to the school, though. Well, I have two uh, specific areas um, where community centres have been offered to schools, whether the schools have actually taken them up under offer, I, I don't know, but... I have come across two areas where that has happened in my own constituency. So, as I said, like if, if, if I was a school principal and I, I was a teacher, as I said, if I was a school principal and I had a, a large sports hall adjacent to my school, it's something that I would definitely consider, be it for PE or be it for an additional classroom. I think that, you know it will help pr- provide extra social distancing and, and, and like that things like that, or even as an amenity space for pupils. Um, I think we need to look at all options just to, I suppose, make this transition back to school as, as, as easy as possible. School is going to look- When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Look very different, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Um, like, as I said, I, I finished up last November in school when I was elected in the by-election and, uh, you know, I suppose COVID, rumours were coming about COVID as to, towards Christmas from the other side of the world, but I think eight months on, nobody would have envisaged what we're, what we're facing in September, but I, I do think that people are resilient um, and, to be fair, like, the, the national effort has been great so far and I just urge people, look, we, we have one good chance of getting children back to school just for their, their education, their their well-being, for parents to be able to facilitate it to go back to work and I just ask people to, you know, give one big effort and, and make the best of it that we can. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, in fairness, all of the, the, the regulations that came in this week, while not everybody's happy with them, that you can see the, all the emphasis has been put in place to try to contain the virus so that we can get our children back to school. It's just so important that they get their education. Oh, definitely. And look... If, if if things don't go well and there's a possibility that things might not go as smoothly as we would like, we do need to look at other options, you know, such as blended learning and, and distance learning um, or staggered, you know, classes for for children. All possibilities need to be looked at. 
Um, so, like, there's nothing definite or predictable about this virus. That's one thing we've learned, mm. you know. Mm. Even you mentioned that, you know, the Netflix announcement during the week, you know, wasn't well received by many quarters. And I myself would have, you know, my own concerns about, you know, typically things about outside gatherings and GA matches. And I, like, uh, I do believe that, you know, um, not, not the Netflix advice that we always get isn't always 100% correct. Um um, so I would I think that you know all this stuff can be reviewed just like you know face masks for children in schools that was a decision that was reviewed by Net- Netflix within a week of an announcement that children would not have to wear uh, masks in school a week later it was announced you know it, it was reviewed and Netflix came out and said and said the other day otherwise they, they advised that masks would be used so all this public health advice is subject to review. And it does change. So, it does yeah. change. Listener says Ballydesmond National School fifth and sixth class pupils will be based in the community centre in Ballydesmond. A fantastic facility to have. Well done to everybody involved in the community centre there. Obviously offered it to the uh, local national school and I'm sure that's been replicated right across not just the county but right across the uh, country. Okay, back to where we started on the school buses, uh, Porrick. You're saying to people if they have got one of these letters or emails from uh, Boss Aaron, you're saying either contact you or their, their local TD to just to try to get a handle. It's impossible to get a handle on the numbers, isn't it, who have been turned down for a bus seat? Yeah, I suppose essentially what we're doing, we'll, we'll be making a plea to the Department of Education that additional buses or additional routes will be considered. And I suppose it's easier to make those requests if we're aware of exactly how many students do not have a seat on a bus. So I gave the example of Glenville earlier. I know that there's 15 children in Glenville that do not have a space. They have a 32 or 33 seater bus. So the option is there to either run an extra bus, I would imagine, or, or else get a larger bus. Um, similar situation in Watergrass Hill, we have, where we have 12 children that I know of that do not have a place on a bus. And now Watergrass Hill might be a bit easier to resolve in that it's on the national road and that there might be public bus options as well. So it's just if we can gauge exactly who doesn't have a seat, where they are, it, it's easier for us then to talk with CIE and to talk with the department to try and rectify those anomalies and, you know, people not having seats on certain routes. Okay, Mary says, my grandson doesn't get a concessionary ticket and he was refused a seat. I can't figure that out. Is that, I mean, everyone who's entitled to a seat gets a seat, isn't it, Porrick? Yeah, essentially, yeah. So yeah. If, if you want to send any of your listeners to, to email to me or to give them my contact number, I'm more than happy to deal okay. with them. Okay, all right. All right, Porrick, uh, no doubt we'll talk again in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this Thank morning. You, Good Thank morning you. to you. That is Fianna Fáil, uh, Dáil Deputy for Cork North Central, uh, Porrick O'Sullivan, 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And we're going to Mallow Gartha Station for this week's Gartha Fire. We're joined by Sergeant uh, Tony Cronin. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning. And uh, you are welcome. Now, you're looking for help with a number of burglaries in the North Cork area. What can you tell us? Yes, uh, Patricia. In the past week, we had four burglaries which occurred in uh, Budfant, Cantork, Liscarroll, and uh, we had a second one in Budfant area as well. Now, the first one was last Sunday, which would be the 16th, and it happened in Budfant, uh, in a country area, uh, between the hours of 12 midday and one thirty pm Now, this would have happened uh, in a country area uh, out in Kilcolman West, 
which would be in between, we'll say, the Dunrell to Ballyhay Road and Dunrell to Budfant Road. So a country area, and basically what we're talking about is that windows were broken in a house, entry was gained, and the culprits were looking for items like jewellery and cash, and if they could get their hands on a safe. Now, we're talking about one hour, 30 minutes of um, time frame where entry was was gained and they had left the pro- property. So it may have been just 10 or 15 minutes. Um, last Sunday, in this area, which is a, a country area, but there's quite a few dwelling houses in this area. Do you believe transport would have been used? Transport would have to be used because it's a country area yeah. and there's a lot of link roads um, in the vicinity here which would take you, obviously, in different directions in the Donrell Butterfant uh, area. And uh, so they could make their getaway. Again, we're talking about 12 midday to 1.30pm. It's only an hour and a half of a time frame last Sunday where they gained access. And we'd be asking the public, would you have been passing maybe as a neighbour, a farmer, etc., on a tractor, whatever, on a bicycle, passing by or walking? Would you have noticed any care that would be strange to you? Would you have uh, any details of that? Or did you see anyone uh, acting suspicious, i.e. as a, a lookout, something like that? If there's anything you can remember, um, the Gardaí uh, would be delighted to get a call from you here in Mallow at 022-31450. Okay, that Relation was in, in Boston, then to Canturk? In Canturk, then on the same day, and it was between 3.30 and 7pm, there was a, a break-in at the, the Mart in, in Canturk, uh, where a window was broken again. Again, the culprits are looking for easy access to things like cash, uh, if there's a safe not secured, things like that. Um, No items such as uh, machinery or computers were taken, so it's items that can be easily disposed of or used, such as cash and jewellery. It's it's what they're really looking for. Again, we're talking about um, a a three-and-a-half-hour period in Kentork on last Sunday, the 16th, which would be a busy day. Mm -hmm. And it would be unusual to see activity around a mart on a Sunday, wouldn't it? Exactly. That somebody may have noticed something. Yes, and you'd have to have transport again. Yeah. Now, okay. obviously, there's a lot of gates that people would climb over, do you know what I mean? Because you have a link, you can get into the mart from two different roads. Oh, okay. So you'd have access to either side. So you would have seen people hanging around here. So we'd uh, ask the, the public in Kentork, who anyone that was there between half three and seven p.m., last Sunday, if you saw anything suspicious in or around uh, the Mart area or a car parked not too far away from it and people acting suspicious, the Gardaí in Kentork would love to get a call from you at 029 uh, They could either be people eliminated from their inquiries or included in, but uh, any information would be treated in the strictest conference and the Gardaí would be very appreciative to get a call on that. Okay, to Liscarroll? Liscarroll again. Um, here we're talking about... Um, uh, rural area again, out in the country, and um, back windows uh, of a house were bro- uh, broken and access was gained. Uh, the time frame here was a two-hour period last Wednesday, between 10 t- uh, 20 a.m. and 12.20 p.m., so near enough to two hours uh, where the house was vacant, and uh, the owner returns to find the damage caused. Now, nothing was taken in this particular burglary, but again, we feel that the culprits were looking for something like uh, jewellery or cash, if there was any cash uh, left in drawers, things like that, or if there was a safe not secured that they could remove. Again, it's a tour period out in Lac in Liscarroll, country area, but 
we'd be asking the, the neighbours if you saw anything, any car again around our van or people walking the roads, that you wouldn't be local to the area. And if you remember anything at all, guarantee in Lascaro Charlotte. Are people calling, looking for directions or making up some excuses to why they've called? Because you're assuming, you know, they got into those houses because there was nobody in there. They would have knocked first to make sure the house was empty. So a neighbouring house yes. might have got a call. You may get a call, we'll say, people letting on that they're uh, dropping off a delivery or they're to collect something from the house and have they got the right house. And yeah, they make up details. an excuse, yeah. And it depends on what information you give them to say, oh, it's We'll say Fitzgeralds that live in that house, or no, they're away for the week. Uh, I'm minding the house. It'll, they'll know then that mm. there's someone not there for the week. Things like that. So be very careful who you talk to, and what information you give. Okay, and, and then record the details. We'll say of if they have a transport to, to record it. Okay, and you want to go back to Butterfield for another burglary? Yes, and then we had uh, another one in Butter Scrub, um, which was uh, yesterday, and this was um, uh, about a half an hour time frame between quarter to uh, 11 and quarter past 11 in the Bohorscope area where a house was entered. And again, the culprits were trying a quick access uh, where they broke a window uh, from the back and they were looking for something uh, very easy to move, like cash and jewellery again here. Nothing um, like televisions, any big instruments or anything like that. Just a quick uh, um, get in and get out and take what they can I suppose in, in all of those cases, that's the similarity with uh, all of them. They were looking for money or, or jewellery, something they could sell on uh, quickly. Don't store any, don't have, uh, leave any money in your house at, at any time of the day or night. No, uh, not to have any money in, in your house. And if you have um, jewellery or any items like that, that if you have a safe, make sure that the safe is properly secured to the ground or wherever it is stored, that it's, it's not movable and that it's a permanent fixture and to do that as best you can. You can get advice from uh, your local guard station or the crime prevention officer in relation to safes if anyone has any query and the local guardie would be very uh, obliging there to help out with that. So we'd encourage the public to make sure if you have any property that it is stored in a very, very secure place and it's it's not easily moved but it, wherever your safe is. Okay. It's bolted to the ground or the wall, whatever. Okay, and and very finally, we've been talking about the fallout from Storm Ellen yesterday, and of course, it has left us with a very, still very windy uh, conditions, and at times quite dangerous conditions for driving. But you want to warn people, particularly about the wind, because we still have a yellow warning, wind warning. Yes, Patricia. Um We'll say being out early now this morning, you could see there was lots of trees on the road, different sides of the road. In fairness, a lot of motors um, were travelling at a reduced speed, so they were taking their time. Whereas now, maybe a lot of the clear-up might be done and people might uh, drive a little bit faster. You may have uh, pedestrians out for a walk, you may have pedal cyclists. So what we would encourage everybody is to be aware that there are other people using the road, i.e. if you're a motorist, um, that if there's a pedestrian in front of you, or a pedal cyclist, be aware that a gust of wind might move them out into your direction on the road with these severe winds and to allow for that to slow down and if you're overtaking them, allow plenty of space for the overtake. And also for uh, pedal cyclists to be mindful of, you know, at junctions and where there's gaps in the ditch that there will be severe gusts coming through that you could get moved across the road. So just be very careful while you're out there on the road that the weather um, is playing up 
and we need to be very careful. Yeah, and there are very high for, uh, winds again this afternoon and this evening and uh, even into tomorrow morning, I think, it's even though tomorrow's going to gradually brighten up, uh, the worst of it is, is today and into, into this evening. So just uh, mind yourselves out on the road, I think is the message, um, uh, Tony. OK, right. let's... Yeah, go on. And just finally, could I just mention... Um, uh, there's a particular fraud going around at the moment and it's uh, in relation to banks and just that you may get a call and someone uh, letting on that they're from a particular bank and they may have some details belong to you. They'll actually be looking for some personal data from you and they may even be able to send you a clip what looks like your account and they may try and trick you into giving more information. So the bank do not operate in a system like this. So what we would encourage you to do is take whatever details you can from the person then say, I'll ring you back and clarify with your bank mm. directly. And you ring back on a number yeah. that you know is the bank's number, yes. not the number that the person not gave you. Pr- provide, yeah. Okay, all right, listen, thanks for that, Thank Tony. You. Have a good week. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Sergeant Tony Cronin based at Malagar, the station. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. Can see some of your texts, questions coming in for Jane, our resident vet. You can keep those coming. 1850 333 103 if you want to call them in to John Paul or Sadie, but you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Some of your calls coming into the programme this morning. Lee says this is on climate change and some listeners are disputing whether climate change exists. Others say it very much does. Some say it doesn't. Lee said, we've had climate change for years. It's going to, and it is going to keep happening. Ice has been melting for thousands of years. It's only now people are getting excited about it, says Lee. On hedge cutting and the clearing out of dikes and drains, Pat says, there are young people on the dole that simply don't want to work. They should be made go out cleaning all of the ditches. Good luck trying to suggest that, Pat. Thank you for your call. And then a different Pat on the new restrictions that have been introduced this week says what they need to do is simply close all of the restaurants and the bars selling food. That, that's where all the cases are coming from, says Pat. Leave the GAA matches go ahead. It's outdoors where people can socially distance. That's important. But restaurants are booked out seven nights a week. I don't know how many cases, though, Pat, have come out of restaurants. I mean, a lot of the clusters that we've been hearing about have come from working environments, i.e. the meat process, processing, processing plants. And then we had the mushroom plant in Tipperary. Um, and we've had uh, cases and direct provisions. I don't know how many of them are directly linked to uh, restaurants so far. Yes, obviously, there has been some of the cases, but I don't know you can point to all of the cases that are coming from the restaurants because it's not the case. Anne says, has the HSE ever come back? Anything with regards to respite services or shared care? They seem to be forgotten about. No, absolutely zero update on, on that. I mean, for many families, they're still waiting for the adult day services to reopen for people with uh, disabilities. Many are expected to open next week, but people are still uh, waiting on those. And then when they do reopen, it's not going to be a five-day service uh, for sure. Timberleague Drive in Bingo, due to be held in the community sports field on Sunday, has now been cancelled. So that's the Timberleague Drive in Bingo is off. We didn't get a response from the office of the Taoiseach on the drive-in bingos. Did we, John Paul? I don't think we did. Uh, Because there does seem to be confusion about whether drive-in bingos can happen or not. Because while 
Timalik, tell us they've cancelled theirs. I also have a text in to say that the drive-in bingo is going ahead as usual in Theo Park in Labamalaga tonight. Starts at the earlier time of 7.30. So some are reading the regulations and saying, yeah, it's okay to go ahead with this. And others are reading it saying, oh, I don't know if we can do this or not. We sent a query into the Department of the Taoiseach yesterday asking if they could give clarity on the drive-in bingos but we haven't had anything back from them uh, yet. Margaret says while they're telling the over 70s to be careful again how unfair is it that the bars in my town are open and serving food from takeaways that's not restaurants and the over 70s are told to be careful it is so unfair and actually on that because anecdotally people will contact us everybody seems to have a bar or a restaurant that they know that's breaching the rules people letting on to be serving food and they're not serving food and there isn't I'd say a town across Cork County that we didn't get a call in about and everybody knows someplace. And then when you ask them and say, well, were you in there? No, but I heard from somebody else. So, I mean, we don't we don't take on that kind of rumour and we certainly don't run with that kind of rumour. But I can tell you that another 13 pubs have been found selling alcohol without any food in the past week. That's figures coming from Angarda Siakona. That brings to 138 the number of licensed premises where suspected breaches of the current COVID-19 public health guidelines were detected since they were allowed to reopen on the 3rd of July. Now, while fines, files are being prepared for the DPP in each of the cases, Gardaí say they have not broken any regulations or laws, though they have breached public health COVID-19 guidelines for which there are no real penalties and therein lies the problem. The contents of the files can however be subject, can be used to object to a pub licence when it comes up for uh, renewal. Now we know that there's talks this week that the government are, the Gardaí are going to be given new powers but they have to legislation has to be passed uh, for that but just to let you know because people are saying are the Gardaí out checking? They are out checking and another 13 pubs have been found. I'm just looking down through this piece to find out they don't say where in the country that they have been found but 138 licensed premises in total now since pubs since restaurants and pubs serving food were allowed to open 138 have been found in breach and the file has gone to the DPP. We wait to see what the DPP will do about it. Okay, some of your texts uh, coming in. Marie says, Hi Patricia, hope this message finds you well. Thank you very much. Could you ask on air please, does anybody, has anybody been out driving this morning and knows what are the conditions of the road from Drina to Ballincarriga? From Drina to pa- Ballincarriga. Has anybody been on that road this morning in the last hour or two? Marie obviously needs to make a journey and she wants to make sure that the road is clear before she actually heads out. So if anybody was driving uh, in the G- Drina area and went as far as Ballincarriga, can you let us know if the roads are clear? 1850-333-103. On the going back to schools. Hi, Patricia. My son lost half of sixth class this year with the lockdown. Now he'll be going into first year. He is one of the children in the at-risk, the vulnerable group. So he's actually been cocooning since since March. I'm worried sick about sending him back to school. But... I know that it's important for his mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And my heart goes out to you. The only thing I will say is the school will be very aware of your child's vulnerability from a health point of view. So they'll do everything that they can to make sure that your son is safe and that he feels secure in school. And obviously, no doubt, 
he's aware himself what he needs to do with the hand hygiene and the wearing of masks if that's appropriate and the social distancing and all of that. So, I, you know, I'm sure he'll be OK. But I absolutely can understand and I sense the anxiousness and probably the sleepless nights you're having and that sense of panic that you're having for fear that your son will pick it up. Please God, he won't. Schools are really doing everything that they can. I mean, all the hand sanitising stations that, that are going in. You know, schools are really doing their very, very best. And please God, all of our children will return to school and they'll all return safely and that there won't be COVID-19 outbreaks in, in schools. But you're not on your own. You're not on your own. There are also teachers, as many teachers as well, who are in the vulnerable at-risk group going back into school who are nervous about it as well. But you're right. It is so important for his mental health. And can I just say, that cohort of students, the sixth class ones, I, I've always, I felt, I know lots of people feel sorry for young people and what young people are missing out on with everything that's happened with COVID-19, even though, you know, I do think they have the rest of their lives. When you hear about young people are missing out on socialising and they're missing out on their gap year holidays and all of that, that kind of irks me because I think they have the rest of their lives to make those memories. And when you think of older people who, you know, may not have a lot of time if they get COVID-19. But anyway, I digress. But the sixth class students, I have a particular sense of sadness for them because there's that huge rite of passage between finishing up with your primary school class and then heading on into secondary school. And there's very few children in sixth class that who will take every single one of their peers, their pupils that they shared the classroom with for the last eight years. They won't all be going on to the same secondary school. So it's their last time being with some of those pupils that they would have started school with. And it's almost like a rite of passage and that last day in school for the sixth class students, they lost out on all of that. So I, I do have, a, I do feel particularly sorry for the sixth class uh, students, but please God, everything will go swimmingly well and that he will get on super duper in first year and that he will absolutely love uh, secondary school. And then this is, a, here's a text in that when I read it, I said, mm, this is going to be happening a lot more and I don't know what the solution is. But hi, Patricia. I think the creches and schools are really going to have to start using a little bit of common sense when a child might cough or sneeze. Creches are sending kids home already because the child coughed. I'd only been one cough, but it didn't matter. The child has a cough. Then the parents have to leave work. There is no employer is going to be putting up with that if parents are in and out of work because their child has sneezed or spiked a temperature or got a cough. Children cough and sneeze, sneeze all of the time. Simple as. But phoning parents to leave work to collect their child as if this is going to be a constant thing, then what's going to happen? We won't have any parents working, particularly parents with younger children, uh, thanking you. And you're right. You're, that, and that is going to happen. And it's going to happen inside in the schools because there's going to be very strict criteria around the do's and the don'ts and who goes into isolation and how do you know what is COVID-19 and how do you not know what is COVID-19 but I don't know what the happy medium uh, is. I know what you're saying, common sense. But then if somebody decides, oh, that child is just, you know, it's nothing more than just a little bit of a head cold. And what then if it turns out to be COVID-19 and they spread it to every, every other child in, in the creche? I, 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 don't, I wouldn't like to be in the position that the creche owners and creche workers and teachers are in on making those decisions. But you are right. It is going to cause massive complications for working parents for sure.
1850 This is the biggest county in Ireland, i.e. Cork. We have the most roads and we seem to get less money than some of the smaller counties for the council they are underfunded and then I sometimes question how the money is spent they're not cutting ditches and cleaning dikes they need to be maintaining our roads says a texter no name on that and Sandra says this is on the cutting down of trees trees are not dangerous it's storms that are dangerous summer is not the time for tree cutting they have to be pruned in winter when they are dormant call me a tree hugger if you like but don't forget that the planet needs trees says Sandra from West Cork and how right you are when we were talking about and arguing about climate change and whether climate change exists or not we need we absolutely uh, need trees that is the other side of the coin of do we cut down the trees so that we don't have electricity outages and we don't have roads uh, blocked but by doing that we're damaging the environment it's trying to get the balance right 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your uh, calls and getting WhatsApps in as well. And just a quick, uh, oh, thank you to Noel in Kilmurray. I read out a WhatsApp earlier when we were talking about the storm and summer storms and we were talking about the Fastnet race and what happened there with an August storm. And I gave out the wrong date. Noel says, Patricia, just to set the record straight, the 1979 Fastnet disaster occurred around the 12th and 13th of August, the anniversary of which would have been last week. It was the 28th Fastnet race. Okay. Somebody told me it was the 28th of August, but that's where the confusion is. Many Cork lifeboats were involved in that rescue. And Nolan Kilmurray says it's sobering to think that 40 years on, the sons and daughters of those same lifeboat crews save lives at sea today. Isn't that? That's, yeah. And that's something that happens within the lifeboats because they're all volunteers. And when somebody has a tendency to run through families because families grow up having watched their mam or their dad or an older sibling heading out of the lifeboat and when they come of age because they live by the sea and they know the importance of the lifeboat they sign up as well they are mighty mighty people thank you for that uh, Noel and glad to clar- clarify that the 12th and 13th of August was when the Fastnet disaster happened Hi Patricia I'm wondering what are the regulations regarding out of school activities for children i.e. drama classes i.e. scouts or other indoor events that are held in community halls. Okay, they are they are caught with the six people inside rule because I heard a couple of people yesterday talking about this, people who have dramas, dramas classes or run drama schools and people who have like dance studios uh, etc. They fall in under the same group as sports and fitness whereby you are only allowed to have six people at an event indoors for a training session and that includes drama and I'm assuming it will include Boy Scouts and Girl, and girl Guides, uh, etc. It's 15 if they're outside, but it is six if they are indoors. So yes, having will have huge effect on after school activities for children. Eight, now, it's only until the 13th of September, so hopefully it will have changed. But certainly up to the 13th of September, they can't go ahead unless they limit the classes to six. And then probably it won't be financially viable to only run it with six. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
Joe McCarthy and Sean Gordon who we spoke with last week on the programme and I know we're hoping to maybe hook up with them again tomorrow. They're cycling around Ireland's coastline. They're doing it until early September. They're raising funds for West Cork Rapid Response and Pieta House. You can support them and track their entertaining journey through their GoFundMe page Doing the Loop. Kildallery Community Development are holding their next lotto draw uh, this afternoon, 4 o'clock. It'll be in the Kildallery Community Office and tickets are on sale in local outlets. And Kilbritton GAA, they've rescheduled their golf classic. It's going to happen tomorrow. You can contact Kilbritton GAA to organise a team. And to comply with the latest COVID-19 guidelines, the drive-in bingo in the car park of St Mary's GAA Club Grounds in Enniskeen. That has been postponed it's due to be held tomorrow night. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, earlier this morning, the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly spoke with Jim Nugent at our Dublin station. And uh, one of the issues they addressed was the issue of schools returning. Yeah, it will. So we've got to get our kids back to school, Jim. They've got to get back to education. I've got three young kids myself. Um, and whilst I very much enjoyed homeschooling them, I genuinely did, they, they need to get back into, a, into a, a proper school environment for their education. But also, I think, as we all know, for their mental health, for their personal development. So reopening the schools is a top priority. Other countries have done it successfully. Uh, we will do it successfully. And really, Jim, a lot of the measures that we're all being asked to follow by government and by the public health doctors uh, for the next 25 days is partly to make sure that opening schools stays on track. So it's all about reducing transmission in the community, um, suppressing this virus. We've done it before, we'll do it again, and uh, let's get our children back to school. And is that why people have been uh, told to uh, advise to avoid public transport and to work from home? Is that to do with the the schools reopening? So there's four objectives that the National Public Health Emergency Team look at uh, and that government are looking at. One of them is getting uh, children back to schools, full reopening of schools. I think we all agree it's, it's really important. Another one in my own brief is obviously full resumption of the healthcare services. So as, as we all know, before COVID arrived here, we had uh, the longest waiting lists for access to public health care uh, anywhere in Europe. Um, it's got an awful lot worse, unfortunately, because the healthcare services, a lot of them had to be paused for months. So we've got to get the healthcare services up and running uh, again. Also, obviously, these are public health measures, so we're putting them in place to save lives. We, we sadly have, have lost more than 1,700 uh, men and women to this awful disease uh, so, all, already this year. Uh, and then the, the fourth one, Jim, is jobs. Right, So we all saw what happened when we had this very hard lockdown earlier on this year. Um, a lot of good businesses were really put to the pin of, their, pin of their collars. We've got to protect jobs. We've got to protect the economy. So the public health advice to government and the advice the government have taken is to say um, we are at a tipping point. The virus, in terms of where it is in our community, has gone up quite significantly over the last two months. The public health doctors, they are worried, and they're saying we need to take measures now because we know a lot more about this virus now than we did, say, four or five months ago, the advice is not just lock down the whole country. It's to say we know where the clusters are, we know how the virus spreads, or at least we know a lot more than we did. So let's target measures uh, that we know suppress the virus while still making sure people can go about their business, go to work, or ideally please work from home, uh, play sports, uh, go out and about and so forth. 
Uh, another question that's come in uh, quite a bit is uh, normally when schools reopen in September, there is a kind of a spurt of uh, outbreak of colds and flu season that happens when kids get back together. When they do start getting flus and things like that, will that how will you deal with that? Uh, how will we know the difference between flus and, and COVID? So just as we are now, and in fact, it's a great question, not just for children, but for all of us, right? So, uh, you know, we, it starts to get chilly again. We forget to put the, uh, the jumpers on because it's, it, it was August. We start getting symptomatic uh, normally. Um, people like yourself and myself might contract a bit of man flu and we'd feel very sorry for ourselves and see if we'd stay in bed for a few days. Um, you know, and, and we probably wouldn't go to the doctor. We probably wouldn't contact them because we think, look, I've got a flu. Uh, I'll be grand. I'll take some vitamins. Um, I'll take care of myself uh, and I'll rest. The public health advice now is different, Jim. The public health advice now is if you have any of the symptoms, please contact your GP immediately. The GPs have been phenomenal. Um, I've just signed off, actually, uh, another tranche of supports uh, to help our GPs do exactly this through the winter. So they are going to be taking a lot of calls. Uh, they will do telephone consultations with us. And if the GPs feel uh, that there is a risk, they will refer you for a test. You'll get a test. The HSE have been doing incredible work to make sure that there's a lot of capacity. We can now do up to 100,000 tests a week. Um, and we're looking at making those turnaround times quicker and quicker. Uh, and there will be a lot of testing. There's no doubt over the winter because the quicker we can identify who has this virus, the quicker we can help them isolate themselves so they don't spread the virus, uh, get them better and, uh, and keep suppressing the virus. Uh, another one that's come in quite a bit is how come I can't have, say, a family lunch in a house with more than six people but I can go to a pub and do that? You can't go to a pub. The pubs are closed. You can go to a restaurant and do it. And the public health yeah, rationale is this. Yeah, right. Is uh, restaurants yeah. are controlled environments. So you come in, uh, they, they take your name, there's strict social distancing, uh, there's protective clothing or the, the face coverings worn by the staff. There's a whole range of safety measures in place. And the language that the public health doctors use is controlled and uncontrolled environments. And uh, restaurants are controlled environments. Um, our homes, maybe some, maybe some homes are pretty controlled, uh, um, but a lot of homes are not controlled environments, and therefore uh, the spread of the virus is is, uh, is a much higher risk in our households if we're having six people over to our, or sorry, m- more than that over to our house versus being in a restaurant. Um, somebody else wants to know if my children go back to school in September, and then the can I go and visit my grandparents because they've been told now to you know, to cocoon a little bit more than they were. So just to be clear, uh, no grandparents, no one, no one over the age of 70 or no one who is uh, more vulnerable to this, right, who has an underlying condition, no one has been told to cocoon. The advice from Neffet is very clear. It's to say to these people who, by the way, we all know already are taking an awful lot of steps, are being very careful. Uh, the advice from government and the advice from Neffet is right now the virus is much more prevalent Uh, in our community than it was two months ago or even four weeks ago. So for the next three and a half weeks, we're we're saying to people who are more vulnerable to this, uh, just uh, exercise a lot of caution. So so examples that were given by the public health doctors were um, go outside, go for your... Go, go about your business, live your life, but, but limit your social interactions, limit the number of people coming into your house. Uh, if you're going to the shops, shop during designated times for people who are more vulnerable to this. Uh, so that, that's the advice uh, for, for those people right now.
Will we go into a similar lockdown situation that do you think that could happen, that a similar lockdown situation could happen that we experienced in March and April? What we're doing now, the measures we announced this week, are exactly to avoid that. So if we went back four months, we wouldn't have had the testing and tracing in place that we now have. We wouldn't be aware of how uh, much the virus has risen uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, We wouldn't have the detail on exactly where it is and which bits are workplace and which bits are community transmission. And we probably wouldn't be bringing in these measures. We probably would have waited. And the problem is with this virus, if you wait until you see it spike in the community at a dangerous level, you're you're too late. So because we have the testing and tracing, because we know more about the virus and and, and how it works, though obviously we've still a lot uh, to learn, uh, we were able to move much more quickly. It's the same in Kildare, Leash and Offaly. uh, And I've spoken to a lot of people in the three counties who were very frustrated and very understandably frustrated saying hang on a second you know are you are you picking on us are we being blamed for something and of course the answer to that is absolutely not the the only the only thing being blamed for this is the virus itself what we were able to do in those three counties is move early Uh, and while nobody wants to be in a situation where there's there's measures in place by moving early it's possible to suppress the virus before it gets to um uh, really dangerous levels in the community that's exactly what we did this week with the country to say listen for the next three and a half weeks it's just 25 24 25 days now um we all have to be more careful And that is the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, taking time out earlier this morning uh, to speak with Jim Nugent at our Dublin studios. Thanks to both uh, gentlemen. We were mentioning the Fastnet disaster because of the storm that happened last night and the Fastnet disaster, of course, happened in August of 1979. Uh, Chris in says, Patricia, the fastness disaster was very sad for a lot of families with the loss of loved ones. But out of that marine disaster, a lesson was learned that has saved lives every day since. Sadly, a lot of people lost their life being lifted upright into the helicopters. The International Coastal Rescue Services from around the world met with medical experts here in Ireland to review the Fastnet disaster and they now know that lifting persons horizontally will save their lives. Sad but true. Says Chris Infomoy and I was not aware of that so even out of a disaster like that lives have been saved. Thank you for sharing that with us uh, Chris. And just a couple of updates on uh, roads Bearing in mind that Met Aaron have issued a status yellow rainfall warning for the entire country and it is valid until 5am tomorrow morning. Heavy downpours, thunderstorms, it may cause localised spot uh, flooding and obviously road conditions can change very suddenly, particularly with thunderstorm activity. So please be careful, slow down if you're in affected areas and keep well back from whoever is in front of you. Now some roads that are still impassable at the moment, there are trees down on the Rathcormac Connor Road at the Castle Lines turn off, that's at Leary's Cross. The local Formoy Castle Lines Road is impassable, that's at the Connor turn off at Kenny's Cross due to a fallen tree. The Coachford Lee Mount Cross Road is impassable. Again, it's due to a fallen tree near Inascara. Gather you're advising continued care in the Dungorny area as there are fallen trees on several routes into and out of the village. And there are reports of fallen cables on the main street in Liscarroll. 
part of the Butterfront Liscarroll Road. You're advised to take extra care on this stretch and of course as we mentioned when the ESB networks on never touch fallen wires and the N72 is possible again and that was following uh, fallen trees outside of Tallow so that has reopened. 1850 We're going to take a break and we are back having your pet questions answered with Jane Pickett. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And thank you to John O'Hearn, who is the PRO of Araglan GAA. He's just messaged to say with the current restrictions curtailing so many fundraisers, Araglan Hall and Araglan GAA have teamed up to organise a used vehicle battery collection. Members of the public can bring their used vehicle batteries to Araglan Community Field next Sunday between 10am and 12 noon. And it's a, it's a fundraiser but you're doing your bit for the environment as well by not dumping those used vehicle batteries. So Araglan Community Field between 10am and 12 noon yesterday and the council have just told us that the N72 from Moy to Tallow Road at O'Brien's Cross is currently closed and that's due to a fallen tree. That's the Tallow from Oyster Tallow Road at O'Brien's uh, Cross because we'd heard from the AA that the other side of the Tallow Road heading towards Dungarvan uh, is, has reopened but this is on the Fromoy to Tallow Road O'Brien's uh, Cross it is currently closed. Okay, let's turn our attention to the animals of this world. Jane Pickett are the, of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joining me. Um, good afternoon to you Jane. Hi there. And you survived Storm Ellen last night. Did you have it bad in Newmarket? You know, it wasn't too bad. I think I was expecting a whole host of trees to be down around everywhere and around home as well, but nothing we've survived unscathed, thank God, for the meantime, but I suppose it's still fairly windy out there, so... And it was funny, it was funny yesterday we were hearing, and, and we'd said this I think last week as well, when we, there was thunder forecast, people were saying yesterday that they could see it in their animals. Animals are great at sensing changes in weather. Oh, absolutely. One of my own dogs was an absolute wreck yesterday evening. She was very unhappy about it being very windy outside, was very out of sorts altogether. Normally she sleeps downstairs in her bed, snuggled up with my other dog, Sally. Uh, but no, she was having none of that. She wanted to go upstairs and be on top of my bed last night and that was that. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> she was very worried, but um, it all seems to have blown over and she's settled a little bit Good. today. But I think certainly, yeah, lots of people are experiencing funny changes in their animal's behaviour because they're very worried about all of the noise and all the storms. So yeah, not, but nothing they, unusual. It's just, it's amazing the way they seem to be able to sense it in advance though. Whatever sort of oh a, yeah, they're an like instinct. weather Yeah, it's incre- incredible. Yeah. Okay, straight into questions. Breathe in, Mallow. Hi, would you please ask your lovely vet Jane for any advice? I have two indoor cats, fourteen and fifteen years old. But this past few months, it's gone beyond a joke. The female won't allow the male come anywhere near us without her hissing and growling at him. Every now and again, he decides to retaliate and he beats her up. I actually can't leave them unattended for fear that it'll break into a cat fight. Both of them, by the way, are neutered. They've lived together all of their lives. Now, the only thing different is I've been feeding a stray cat out in the garden. Would that have anything to do with this aggressive behaviour? Thanking you. Or is it something to do with the age of the cats? Mm, This is a really interesting one. I think my gut feeling is I think it's unlikely to be something to do with the age. Particularly if they've been together all of their lives and it's not, let's say, that a a new cat has been introduced between the two of them. I think it's unlikely. Now, there's a few things that could happen. I think certainly feeding the cat out in the garden, the wild feral cat, may have something to do with it, but perhaps indirectly. 
so the little female cat might feel that essentially as owners we are the providers of all of the things they need in life their comfort their food their water and in a sense to them as cats although they love us we are a resource so in a sense if that little cat feels that oh there's another cat on the scene outside and although my friend has been living with me all of these years you know somebody else is beginning to monopolize my owner i need to protect them so that may be what's happening, that perhaps the balance has shifted a little bit with feeding the cat outside. And cats are incredibly kind of perceptive creatures. Even the subtle changes in, you know, if you move a chair or move a piece of furniture, that can, you know, wreck their world. They think the the world is falling asunder and that they don't understand what's happening. So certainly feeding another cat in the environment might cause a certain degree of upset. Now, I think our owner has done a really good thing here in making sure that the cats aren't left unattended now that this aggression has come to the fore. Um, Main things I would say are try and make sure that they both have somewhere to drink that's separate, they both have somewhere to eat separate, and they both have multiple litter trays inside if they use a litter tray inside. What they need is options for their resources so that they don't feel like they're getting in each other's way. And they may never have had any of this behaviour all along, but something as small as either a change in behaviour with age, we do sometimes appreciate that in older cats, very much like in older people, we can sometimes get behavioural change. Um, Or whether it's the cat outside that has upset the balance, just make sure that they have enough of their normal resources, so food, water, bedding, somewhere to sleep, that's totally separate so that they're not fighting between themselves for the things that they kind of mark as essential. But I think that may help potentially feeding the feral cat somewhere else kind of further away from the house might help as well. Okay, because they can take lumps out of each other. Even even elderly cats like that. Stay with cats and disturbed behaviour. Karen in Whitegate uh, said there was a thunderstorm a few nights ago in her area. Her cat happened to have gone out to go to the toilet when there was a massive clap of thunder. Frightened the life out of the cat who ended up running in under a bush. We managed to get her out and bring her back into the house. But she now seems scared of everything. If there's any sort of a a noise, she's jumping. They're thinking it's related, related to the event with the thunder. Will, that, will she eventually calm down? I suspect so. Um, I think if this behaviour only started around the time of the thunder and big clap and her getting scared and going out and hiding under the hedge, I think it's quite likely that things will settle now that the weather is potentially settling a little bit as well. It can really shake them up and they can be very much on their guard for a few days, particularly if they've got a really big fright. The one thing I just keep in the back of your mind is as long as she's otherwise well in herself, eating, drinking, albeit a little bit scared and worried about things, um, if if she's unwell in herself or if the signs aren't settling down in two or three days when the weather is, let's say, hopefully back to normal, um, then maybe just consider, is there something else that's making her a bit more sensitive? So really interestingly, we do appreciate um, kind of an increase in fear and behavioural signs, particularly in dogs that might have a, a pain somewhere, particularly within the skeleton or the muscles. It's only kind of at the forefront of research at the moment, but we do think that there might be some connection with some patients being a little bit more sensitive to noise and big claps of thunder if they have got some underlying discomfort. So if the signs aren't going away and she's not settling back into being her normal self, 
I just pop her to the vet for just a, a quick check over, make sure everything's ticking around okay. But my gut feeling is I think she'll that, it, that it will settle. Okay, hi, question please for Jane. My seven year old neutered retriever has ongoing problems with anal glands. They require emptying of same on a two weekly basis. Now she had two oh, benign wow. polyps okay. removed about six months ago and is on a fibre diet on an anti inflammatories. My vet has suggested removal of the anal glands. I'm worried about complications of same and would uh, any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. That's from Marie. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a really tough one. Um, my heart goes out to Marie. It's really, really frustrating. Anal gland problems both for you as an owner but for the animal as well, which I'm sure you appreciate. It can be quite an irritating thing to have, to have, let's say, anal glands becoming really full or impacted. Um, and it can be quite uncomfortable for the pet. So well done on getting that, getting that sorted and working with your vet. Um, when we get to a point where, let's say, standard therapy for anal gland problems has failed, whether that be clearing them out frequently and using things like high fibre supplements, um, I suppose your vet will most likely have ruled out some of the other things that can cause kind of increased impaction, um, which would be things like an underlying infection of the glands, for example. Um, now, what I would say is with, with your vet recommending potentially removing the glands, it's, it's a totally valid treatment option. But as I say, without seeing the patient, it's difficult to know what's suitable for what patient. I'm sure your vet has had a, had a really good think about that and knows the whole situation. So they, that will be the best advice to follow. Complications of it can be quite worrisome at times. And it's really a balancing act of how much benefit the patient is going to get from that procedure versus the risks. So the main risks of removing the inner glands will be causing incontinence because the operation takes back takes place around the, the back end or the bottom, as it were. It's a very delicate area with a lot of nerves controlling the muscles there and any damage there can sometimes make um, little dogs incontinent. So they could potentially be pooing themselves and not realising. Now, it does happen infrequently, but I think... I'd have another chat with your vet about your concerns and to just discuss the, the benefits for your dog given the situation, but also the potential complications and if they occurred, how to manage them. But I think stick with it, stick with your vet's plan uh, and you'll get there. Yeah, and it's for, at the end of the day, it's it's for the dog, as you say, to have yeah. to have to go through that every two weeks. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. Let's stay with problems down the rear end. Dan says, uh, hi, Jane. Uh, what could be wrong with my Jack Russell? His poo looks like knobs of sand. I saw him one time. It looks like he's got an itch in his rear end, pulling himself along the yard. He's 11, eating and drinking uh, well and, and uh, perfect other than that, other than what's going on with his... His bowels. Okay, that's an interesting one. If it's little knobs of um, knobs sand, of sand so I yeah. It's, yeah, I I assume it's probably quite light coloured. Then these little knobs that are popping out, it could be a few things. So if it's actually the poo itself that's gone quite kind of sandy, grainy, is something that he's eating or having access to that's causing that the poo to look that way. But my first protocol would probably to speak to your vet about whether you, whether kind of you're due for worming again. Sometimes we can see little kind of almost grains of rice or grains of sand um, type appearance coming out the back end and they can actually be a worm called tapeworm. Yuck. Um, so I think definitely the first thing i do is speak to your vet about what wormer they would recommend um, and potentially even have a chat to your vet about whether they need to see a stool sample if it's something that's worrying you. So I know it's a, it's a bit funny kind of taking a poo sample in for show and tell, but sometimes it really helps. 
Um, so don't be shy about giving your vet a call and seeing if you can do that if you if you need to. But I think certainly my first my first gut reaction will be worms. Might need to be wormed. Okay. And in an adult dog, we'd normally recommend worming at least every three months. And that would create um, the itch as well that the dog that obviously create, has. Exactly. Yeah. So that will be my first thought. But have a chat to your vet. Okay. Eileen says, any ideas why there is a wet patch on the bed of my nine-year-old female spade terrier every time she gets up? Okay. So in older lady dogs, we can sometimes get a little bit of leaky bladder, similar to in humans. Um, and it's just the kind of, let's say, the, the stopper on the bladder, the little sphincter that holds the pee in. Sometimes it becomes a little bit less tight and a little bit kind of more flexible with age. And that could be to do with lots of things, including hormonal changes that happen in older female pets. Um, if it's becoming a problem, which certainly it sounds like it is to me, I would present to your vet for a physical exam. And there's a few things we'd probably do at that point. We'd want to make sure that it's not something else causing kind of an excessive little pee or urgency to pee, like a urine infection. Your vet might need to take a little urine sample um, as well as do a full physical exam. But if indeed it is that just that little stopper on the bladder has become a little bit loose and we're having a little bit of a, a, an older lady leak, then there are medications that we can give that are very effective in reducing that or even stopping it. So I'd definitely give a chat to your vet potentially bring along a urine sample if you can get one and then that that's the, the kind of starting point for that. Okay, and you have a minute to answer this. Uh, a two-year-old husky cross German Shepherd, still very excited. When will he calm down? Oh God, the short answer is probably never. Um, <laughs> uh, it's the age as well, cross. isn't it? It's still young, yeah, two years of age. We're, exactly, we're kind of going through the teenage stage but we're, we're getting to the tail end of that now at two years. What I would say is as a breed, Huskies themselves and whatever we're crossed with, they're extremely active. They can be bananas if they don't have enough kind of mental stimulation and exercise. So my main tips would be lots of socialization, lots of walks to burn off the energy and really work that brain. So some training like tricks or sit today, et cetera, just to keep them mentally stimulated. And you may find that their kind of usual demeanour might be a little bit calmer once that they're kind of fully fully satisfied with both exercise and brain. Because a cross between a German Shepherd and a Husky, that's a big dog. That is a big dog, a big energetic dog. And both Huskies, like Huskies were originally built for a very cold climate and lots of hard work. And similarly, like German Shepherds are incredibly clever dogs that need to be incredibly mentally stimulated. They're so, so smart. They're you working really dogs almost. Breeds. Exactly, yeah, they're working yeah. dogs, yeah. All right, listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you next Thursday. You too, thank Thanks you. Thanks a million, bye-bye. Jane Pickett there, a resident vet of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary uh, Group. Have I time? Just a quick, this is Anne in Skibbereen contacted us having listened to Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, and she says, is it just me? And she said, I'm not affiliated to any particular political party but does anybody else feel the same as Anne in Skibbereen who says that when Simon Harris and Leo Varadkar were making all of the announcements they seem to be on top of things I don't trust the current gang uh, says Anne there was others making that point only yesterday Anne okay that's where I leave you thanks to John Paul and to Sadie we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.